What's up, guys? How you doing? Happy Friday. Hope you've had a good week. As you can see here, I'm sharing my screen. Uh, let me find the right. Ah, let's see if I can find the right. Yeah, I like that better. I like that better. Uh, sharing my screen so you guys can see the uh, Crawford and Porter weigh-in. It looks like we're just getting started here. Um, so hopefully they don't take too damn long with this. Of course, you're going to have a bunch of chit-chat between Joe Tessitore, Tim Bradley, and uh, Mark Kriegel. Anyway, um, so let's talk about this fight a little bit, all right? Um, I asked you guys on Twitter, I actually posted a poll, uh, how excited are you for the Crawford-Porter fight tomorrow night? And there's three choices. There's flaccid, there's half-erect, and there's full salute. And so far, almost half of you are at full salute. So I know that's that poll is probably going to trigger a few people out there. I don't give a shit. People need to have fun. And some of you ladies will be like, well, what the hell? There's no option for me. Yes, there is. All you have to do is briefly identify as a man, and you can do that. That's that's the rules now in 2021. Just say you're a man for a few minutes, choose an option, and then go back to uh, identifying as a woman. See? It, 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 that's it. All right. <laughs> Let's go over here to the chat. Uh, well, Aaron asked about um, Tim Zhu and his performance against Takashi Inoue uh, earlier this week, Wednesday in Austra Australia. And um, look, that was great, man. It was basically a 12-0 shutout, and that's what he needed. The, the kid needed some um, some rounds, and he was in there with a guy that didn't give him a whole lot of counterfire, right? He didn't have to really walk through much fire. Inoue isn't a hard puncher anyway. But he wasn't going away. He wasn't going anywhere. So he got in 12 good rounds of work. That was good matchmaking. Very, very good matchmaking. Uh, let's see. Mitch says, you look just like the guy in those MOB shirts. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I get that a lot, man. It's it's funny. I get that a lot. Uh, Toreen says, what's good, MOB family? What's good, Toreen? Hope you're doing well, my man. Uh, OJ22 just says, Mike, and peace. And he's saying peace to the chat, too. Uh, let's see. Uh, Michael Mindiola in the chat. What's up, my man? He says, uh, happy fight weekend. I'll be in Arizona for the Iron Boy Iron Boy card at uh, Mesa Amphitheater. Two of our guys fighting Renee Moreno and Maximus Castro. Good luck to you guys, uh, Mindiola. I, I know that you're keeping busy there in the gym, man. You guys got a lot of fighters that you're working with. I am actually attending fights in Atlanta tonight and tomorrow night. And that's the only reason I'm really not in Vegas right now. Um, actually, uh, Terry Moss, who I've had on the show a bunch of times, the premier promoter here in Atlanta. She's really, really building something, man. Um, she has. Uh, she's not putting on these cards as the promoter. She is. The, she's doing it at her facility, Buckhead Fight Club. Which that's what's so smart about Terry. She has her own gym, and it's not just a gym. There's a whole backstage area and this whole thing. So she has a lot of promoters that rent out her space, and that's what she has tonight and tomorrow. So I'll be there tonight. Um, and tomorrow night, my coach, Christian Steele, who I've told you guys all about, he's actually fighting. He's fighting tomorrow night. So it's going to be great to be there ringside uh, cheering on my coach, man. That's going to be a lot of fun. So no spoilers for the big fight, all right? I'm going to have to turn my, my phone off. Because I don't want to see the Twitter stuff. Actually, I think this card here is going to wrap up before uh, the, the main event starts on ESPN Plus tomorrow night. So um, I'll be able to uh, probably run home 
me and the wife, and then turn on the fight and watch Crawford and Porter. All right, uh, back to the chat. By the way, the phones are open if you guys want to talk about this, man. Um, I'm not going to go crazy long because, um, you know, I'll go as long, maybe maybe an hour today max, and then I'm going to uh, eat dinner, and we're going to head down to Buckhead Fight Club and, and check out the fights tonight here. So uh, Aaron with a good question. He says, uh, anyone watching this doo-doo Andre scrap today? Laugh my ass off. Yeah, I for what it's worth, I do think that's a pretty loaded card. Uh, Eddie Hearn's not dumb, and he knows that um, Andre isn't selling uh, a whole lot of, or you know, not a whole lot of people are going to be tuning in to watch him. So he's got uh, a bunch of good fights on that undercard. It's actually a pretty nice card. OJ says he is at full salute. I am too. I, I got to say, I'm at full salute. I, I like this fight between Crawford and Porter, and as I talked about on uh the neutral corner this week on monday this is going to kind of be used as a measuring stick oh man the, the jokes you could say <laughs> full salute measuring stick oh um <laughs> but it is uh because people are going to be wanting to see i think most people favor terrence crawford right the, the overwhelming majority of people he's the betting favorite how is he going to do versus how errol spence keith thurman and kel brook did against sean porter that's what people are going to want to see. So uh, let's see. Uh, Mignola says Tim Zoo was, as he said, physically stronger in the ring than Inoue. Yeah, the, kid, the kid's got some strength and ex- some explosiveness to him, man. He, he does. He absolutely freaking does. Toreen says, yo, Mike, is there any truth to the rumor Teddy Atlas said about uh, PBC, TBC leaving top rank. Oh, you're talking about Terrence Crawford. About Terrence Crawford leaving top rank after this fight. Look, nothing's set in stone. I haven't heard anything. I do believe this is his last fight, though, uh, with top rank under their current contract. That's the way I understand it. So um, it remains to be seen. By the way, uh, Janibek Alam Kanuli is uh, weighing in for his fight with Hassam Endam. That that's the fight that um, I want to see tomorrow on the undercard because I want to see Jenebeck. I, I think that he's got something to him. Um, and Dom usually goes rounds. And he's a tough guy, and he's been in there with everybody. So I want to see what Jenebeck does against him. But yeah, man, this is the last fight with uh, Crawford at top rank. So it remains to be seen what's going to happen from here uh, with those two. If you talk to Crawford, though, he's been happy with. Uh, with top rank so far, you know what I'm saying? He, he re-signed with them a few years back, I don't know, two, three years ago, whatever it was. So uh, anyway, he seemed to be pretty good with him. Our right, Indom's about to jump on the scale right here. Um, let's see. Yeah, a few of you guys, OJ's talking about that too, that he heard, heard Teddy say the same thing, that um, he said it's a guarantee 100%. Well, look, I, I think Terrence Crawford's at the stage of his career where he can kind of go his own path. And maybe he wants to do some one-offs with the PBC, kind of like what Canelo Alvarez did. There's also Eddie Hearn in Matchroom. And, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me to see something way out of left field like that if Crawford went with them. But I, I would say if Crawford goes with PBC, uh, Janibek about to jump on the scales here. Um, if Crawford goes with PBC, he needs it like written into the contract that by the second fight in, he's fighting Spence. Like that needs to be in a contract, like straight up, I'm fighting um, uh, Ugas first time around, and then I'm fighting Spence second fight. And like that needs to be in the contract, man. We'll see. We'll see what happens. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, Mitch says, Mike, you should say yes, shaky, and have no sources about people's country. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I don't. Well, I do have sources. There's people I talk to close to the situation, but like, I'm not going to be one of those guys that puts something on record uh, before a fighter or a promoter or somebody puts it on record. You know, I, I played those games for a while. And sometimes you get burned doing that, man. So I, I just stopped doing that. <clears throat> Javier Gonzalez in the chat says, I'm gay porn hard. <laughs> so, so needless to say, you guys are excited about this fight. You guys are excited about this fight. Matthew says, uh, if Crawford goes network free agent, I don't want to see Mikey Garcia style fights on the zone. Yeah, man. And that's the thing. We're going to learn a lot about the, I, I guess, the the true direction Terrence Crawford wants to go in and how he feels about his legacy by what he does going forward. You know, uh, if he signs with PBC and it's just a bunch of touch-up, you know, tune-up fights, um, or if he he goes on the zone and you just kind of see the Mikey Garcia route, uh, then we'll know. You know what I'm saying? We'll, we'll know what he wants to do. I'm hoping that he wants, you know, some legacy fights now. He's at this stage of his career where it's kind of like shit or get off the pot time with the the welterweight legacy fights. And look, this fight's pay-per-view. It is what it is. If uh, if Crawford ends up fighting Ugas and then Spence and like all those fights are pay-per-view and he goes with PBC and does the pay-per-view route. Look, PBC is in the pay-per-view business, right? They're not the only ones, of course. I mean, this this top rank fight, and this is a top rank slash PBC co-promotion, but uh, this is pay-per-view on ESPN Plus. But PBC does a lot of pay-per-views, right? A lot of them. And uh, what they got one on January 1st, a $40 pay-per-view. At least they priced it affordably, but um Damn, that that heavyweight card, it's Luis Ortiz versus Charles Martin. Is that a pay-per-view worthy fight? Me thinks not. Me thinks not. All right, um, specifically here, the matchup tomorrow night. You know, um, when you look at uh, Crawford and Porter, they are the same freaking age, like born in the same month. And they both went pro the same year. What's interesting is Sean Porter, although he has... I actually think they have the same amount of pro fights. Let me look at this. Because Crawford is 37 and 0, 28 knockouts. Porter is 31, 3 and 1. So, damn, uh, almost the same amount of fights. So, Porter has what, 35 pro fights. And so, born in the same month, went pro the same year, have almost the same amount of fights. But there are differences, right? Uh, Porter actually had. I think the longer amateur career, more amateur fights anyway. I believe he had more amateur fights. And Porter has been a, a welterweight his whole career. You know, um, um, he actually was heavier in the amateurs. And actually, when he went pro, he was 165. And that's kind of around where he fought at in the amateurs. He was he was a big uh, guy because he played like high school football and stuff. And um, yeah, I'm looking at his first few fights. They were at middleweight, junior middleweight, and he slowly kind of boiled down and pretty much his whole career, once he was a legitimate, you know, prospect or a legitimate contender and, and then a title holder and all that, has been at welterweight. So he's a naturally bigger, stronger guy. And that's why Porter has been so durable in his fights against the top level welterweights, right? 
for Crawford, obviously, um, he didn't have as many fights in the amateurs as Porter. And he's kind of, um, I guess, learned a little bit more on the job as a pro. Although Porter has definitely improved as a pro, but so has Crawford. But Crawford started as a lightweight. And he's moved up in weight. So that's the difference between these two. Even though Crawford is, what, 5'8", 74-inch reach, and Porter is listed as 5'7", 69-inch reach. So that's kind of interesting that even though he's the shorter squatter dude, he's just always naturally been a little bigger. So um, how does that translate to the fight itself? Look, man, in terms of styles, I, I just think that Crawford, again, a lot of people focus on weight in boxing and weight matters, but all things being equal, when you're in the same division, a lot of times it's length that matters more than anything. Height is important, but I'd say length is the single greatest measurement when you look at the tail of the tape that I think most affects fights, especially a guy that has the style like Bud. He uses his length better than anybody in the business, man. He gets just maximum length out of his punches. And I think that he's going to be able to establish distance with his jab. Once he switches up to Southpaw, uh, I think he's going to start, you know, clearly winning rounds against Porter. And then I think he's going to be able to start catching Porter jumping in, you know, um, and that's, that's the thing is, is Sean going to like lay back a little bit and just kind of play defense because he's going to jump in a few times and get caught with counters and he's not going to like that. Is he going to keep going forward and keep going for it? Or is he going to lay back? Um, are we going to kind of see a replay here of what happened between Crawford and Victor Postal, where Postal just kind of went defensive in a survival mode and Bud was cool just coasting and getting the points? Or are we going to see, you know, a dust up in the second half of this fight? I do think that it's going to take a few rounds for these guys to get going because both of them have been inactive. Um, let's see. Uh, Bud fought last November against Kel Brook and then Porter fought last August uh, against Sebastian Formella. So, um, you know, neither one of these guys has been crazy, crazy active. I think they both fought twice in 2019, but it's been a year uh, for, for Bud. And it's been over a year for Showtime Sean Porter. So um, I do think that inactivity, that rust is going to affect the first few rounds and then things will get going in the middle rounds. What I want to see is when does Bud make his adjustment? Because a lot of times in fights, man, that second, third round, he kind of flips that switch, right? It's usually when he switches to southpaw. He'll give up that first round, maybe even the first two rounds, and then he kind of gets serious. So uh, when's that going to happen in this fight? Can Porter be competitive enough early on to delay that switch? And maybe we don't see Bud switch over to like the sixth, seventh, eighth round or, you know, later in the fight. Or is, is Crawford going to be able to turn that switch early on like he normally does? That'll be interesting to see. But of course, at welterweight, Porter's fought the better fighters. Um, you know, Crawford, this is definitely his biggest challenge as a welterweight. Is this his biggest challenge as a pro? Is this the top fighter he's faced? I don't know about that. I, I, I really don't. That kind of, to me, that remains to be seen. But I do think that if you look at Crawford's welterweight resume, Jeff Horn, Jose Benavidez Jr., uh, Amir Khan, Igadijus Kavaliauskas, and Kel Brook, look, Khan and Brook were completely faded past their best. Uh, Benavidez, that was before the shot, 
Okay, so uh, that was a good version of him. Horn never was, you know, a, a top guy. I think the Kavliowskis win is somewhat underrated and underappreciated. But I look at that resume, it's not elite. It's not by no means on the level of, of who Porter has faced. But it's not absolute shit. I think there's enough experience there and a, a different styles that is going to serve him well in this fight. He, he's ready for a Sean Porter kind of fight, you know? So I expect him to perform well. I expect a statement performance tomorrow night from Terrence Crawford. All right, co-feature just weighed in, Esquivia Falcao, who is going to win this fight against this Canadian guy, uh, Patrice Volney. And I think if Falcao wins this fight, or whoever wins it, the, the winner is going to be the mandatory for uh, right now, Gennady Golovkin, but the winner between Golovkin and Rio de Morada next month, right? Because they're going to unify titles. I think it's the IBF, though, that this is a mandatory for that. So I think Falco is going to win this fight. I think Golovkin's going to win next month. So I think early next year, you're going to get a Golovkin and, um, and Falco fight. And that's the kind of fight Golovkin wants at this stage in his career. That's the kind of fight he wants to stay busy. He's going to do Falcao earlier, early next year. And then later on in the late spring, summer months, I think you're going to see Golovkin fight a top guy. Now, who will that top guy be? Hmm. We know it ain't Canelo because Canelo's doing the cruiserweight fight. Um, could it be Andre? Could it be Mungia? It could be one of those guys. Don't be surprised if next year, if Triple G beats Murata, which again, I think he will, don't be surprised if you see Triple G fight. Uh, Esquivia Falco was going to be his, his mandatory, I believe. And then Jaime Munguia for his two fights. If he does three fights, then maybe, maybe, maybe late, late in the year, he fights Demetrius Bubu Andre. Maybe. That's, that's if he beats Munguia, um, which I think he probably will. But maybe we get that at the very end of 2022. If he ends up fighting those three guys next year, that's a hell of a run. But I, I don't know if that's going to happen. Triple G is at the stage of his career where he's kind of doing his thing and he doesn't really give a shit when anybody else wants. You know, That's just where he is in his career. I, I compare it to, again, where Miguel Cotto was the last couple of years of his career. All right, so I'm looking over here at the weigh-in, and it looks like there's just promo after promo, delay after delay. Hopefully, we get to this uh, weigh-in here in a minute. I expect both these guys to totally be on weight. So the weigh-in bros, you can get in now, and you can watch, and you can, you know, look. I love how, like, the weigh-in bros look at weigh-ins, and they look at the, you know, a guy's facial uh, mannerisms and, and, you know, do his palms look sweaty? Does, does he look uh, tired? Does he look dry? And I'm like, I don't know if any of this shit matters. I think if a guy is really having trouble making weight, generally speaking, it's pretty damn obvious. Um, other than that, just business as usual, man. And that's what I'm expecting here. Okay. Uh, back to the chat. We go, uh, Matt, Matthew, I should say, sorry, says, uh, where, are the legacy fights for Crawford if if the Spence fight doesn't happen? Great question. Because, um, by the way, I mean, we still don't know what to say about Errol Spence. 
He hasn't, he's fought once in over two years. It's been two plus years he has fought once. And that was against Danny Garcia. Not necessarily the best of the best, right? Danny Garcia has never been an elite level welterweight. Don't at me. I don't give a shit. He hasn't been. Um, so is that really a, on paper, that's a legacy fight. I get it. But I don't know what to, what to think about Errol Spence right now. I will say this. If Crawford wins big tomorrow night, He's number one at 147 for me. He he he's bumped up uh, past Errol Spence at that point. I don't give a shit who has all the hardware. I know that Spence has more belts, but if Crawford definitively beats Porter tomorrow, he's the number one welterweight in the world. I don't want I don't want to hear it. And it's going to be interesting to see how where people fall on that between Crawford and Spence and how consistent or inconsistent those same people are with their heavyweight ratings because right now most people rate fury as the number one guy even though it's Usyk who has all the hardware similar situation up there um but the only difference is spence has not been busy anyway back to your question legacy fights well that's why crawford has to be very careful about the moves he makes business-wise if he cares about legacy if he signs with pbc you got ugas who just beat Pacquiao. That's a very winnable fight for Crawford. He grabs another belt and he beats the guy that beat Pacquiao. And then there's Spence. And if the Spence fight can't happen, well, then it just is what it is. Um, you know, maybe, maybe a fight between him and Tank Davis. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, that's pretty much it, okay? If he, st if he stays with top rank, if he re-signs with top rank, there are guys like Josh Taylor, Tiafima Lopez. Those fights could happen. So th that those would be big, big fights, legacy fights. You know, uh, Does he want that? I don't know. Because he's going to make more money and probably get more accolades from the American press fighting Errol Spence than he would for Josh Taylor. Uh, that's just the way it is, you know? Um, but if he goes with match room and stuff, I don't know if any of those fights can happen. So it really depends on what business move he makes, but there's not a whole lot there right now. Honestly, there's really not. However, if Spence doesn't get back in the ring anytime soon, he's eventually going to be stripped and there will be opportunities for Crawford and other guys to fight for those open belts. Aaron says Spence is retired and was never anything special. Ooh. Oh, man. OJ says uh, Ortiz versus Martin should be on Fox. Yeah. And you're already going up against, like, college football. In, in, in the United States, college football is king, right? And so you're going up against college. The, the biggest – I want to say it's the biggest day. You, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, because I'm not a college football guy. But I think January 1st is, like, the day. For, for college football. It's all the bowl games. So you're already going up against that. You're going to make it worse by going on pay-per-view. You could take advantage of all those bowl games and program, you know, time-wise, program your card around some of those bowl games on regular Fox or something. That would make way more sense. But they're doing the pay-per-view route to make a little bit more money. I think they're hoping that, hey, if this thing does 50,000 pay-per-views, that's probably enough money to feed everybody. And so that's what they're more concerned with. 
Andrew Smith in the chat says, uh, Bud's reflexes and power are scary at welterweight. Yeah, we're going to find out here in this fight against Porter. We really are going to find out. MNTM says, speed and technique are far more important. I concur. And that's why I think um, Canelo is going to decisively beat Ilonga Makabu when they fight uh, early next year. All right, so I'm listening in right now. Um, Sean Porter is about to get on the scale. All right. Fighting by fighting out of Los Angeles by way of Nevada, originally from Ohio. All right. He's wearing a jacket. <laughs> All right, so they invited him up onto the stage. I don't know, is he... I guess he's going to disrobe now i i still i just i don't get the mask it's really stupid most of the people on the stage are not wearing a mask i it must be something with the nevada commission all right so uh stripped down to his undies he's still got the mask on though let's see what he weighs about to jump on that scale i'm wearing ghostbusters boxers that's awesome One hundred and forty-six point six pounds for Sean Porter. Pulls down the mask to smile. <laughs> the mask is such cosmetic theater. It's just so stupid. All right, Terrence Crawford making his way up, and he's just wearing boxers with shoes and uh, a t-shirt. Taking off the t-shirt. <laughs> I love it. And he's just going to go right on, right onto the scale, all business. All right. Bud is on the scale. Let's see. I couldn't hear it. 146.4 for Bud. So we have a fight, ladies and gentlemen. Both guys on weight. Not surprised. Now, you know, I know a bunch of people that are at this fight, uh, media people and uh, fans. I know a bunch of people who made the trip out there. So I can't wait to um, to just get everyone's reports on TNC Monday about the uh, the atmosphere there. I'm expecting a good atmosphere. I really am. All right. Ah, here comes the face-off. Vicenzino asks, uh, do I speak Italian? Si, parlo un poco di italiano. Perché quando ero bambino, ho imparato un poco di italiano di mia nonna, mia nonna di Sicilia. So um, just a little bit. All right, intense stare down. And you can see the height difference, but a little taller, a little longer, shoulders up a little higher. I don't know, Way Bros. You see anything here? I don't see any. I think both of these guys are consummate professionals and they are going to uh, put on a, a good fight tomorrow night. These are both two very, very professional prize fighters, very, very experienced. 
and it's all business for these guys. Both in outstanding shape, didn't expect anything different. <laughs> it's funny looking at Tim Bradley on these broadcasts because his, his face gets a little puffier with each show. His head gets rounder and rounder. Like he's got the most, the roundest face, the roundest head. It's funny as hell. He's just, you know, I don't know. He's just got a really round head. It just looks funny to me. <clears throat> well, I don't know what else to say here. Um, Matthew in the chat says, is it inevitable this fight goes past 10 rounds? I would definitely bet the over. If that's the under, the over-under, I would bet the over. I do expect this. It's likely this is going the distance. However, I do think there's a strong possibility that um, that Bud could stop him. If he does stop him, it's probably going to be late. But I do think there's a strong possibility that Crawford could do that. So I don't know what the betting odds are and, and all that, but um, it, it's, you know, again, if it, it's probably going the distance, but there is a solid chance that it's, you know, that Bud could stop him. And I think that would be a huge, huge statement. But Porter has been dropped before, but he's never been like seriously hurt. He's such a durable guy for that weight. Uh, Trey Anner in the chat says uh, college football all day and night on January 1st. Yeah, man, that, that's what I thought. Um, it just so, so it's so weird to do a pay-per-view going up against like the Super Bowl of college football, uh, basically. And Trey says that Porter was wearing a mask to secure a huge payday. Yeah, I feel you on that. <laughs> Definitely. He's getting a payday. Both these guys are. <clears throat> All right, let's see what else is in the chat. Uh, Chenzino says it's going all 12, Porter's too tough. Yeah, that's what I would guess. That's what I would guess. Porter is going to take Diaz horn type of damage, says punch quote. Yeah, very, very possible. Torino with a bold bold pick. He says uh, TKO eight. I think that would, dude, that would be a statement. That would be a real statement. Nick Undisputed said, Bradley always had a hard head. Now it's crazy round. Dude, his head is like a perfect circle. It looks like a milk dud. Like, for real. It's just like that perfect, like an m M&M, m like a perfect circle. Like, that's hilarious. <clears throat> Flory F says, enjoy your content, Mike. Thanks from 6,000 kilometers away. Damn, 6,000 kilometers. Thank you so much for watching. Where, where are you at, Flory? 6,000 kilometers. I'm trying to think. Is that about 2,000 miles? So you're somewhere on the East Coast, I'm guessing. Somewhere on the East Coast. G-Funky in the chat. What's up, G-Funky? He says, what up, Michael Montero? What up? Hispanics causing panic. I'll be on their show next Wednesday. We actually just uh, got that secured today. So I'll I'll be on uh, that show, guys. So if you check them out, next Wednesday is a tune-up before Turkey Day. I'll be on their show. I'll actually be traveling up to my sister's house. Um, so, you know, you might hear like babies screaming in the background and shit and people arguing while they drink because <laughs> it's going to be a bunch of family coming to her house. But uh, I will find a quiet little area to jump on that show. <clears throat> Mitch says, uh, when Tim fought Devin Alexander, it was all about large heads. Man, that fight, what that was such a disappointment, man. 
I was so excited for that fight. And they put that one on in Detroit. Made no sense why they put it on in Detroit. But um, it was exciting. And it just did not live up to what we thought it was going to be. It was such a letdown. Trey says the over-under is 10 and a half. I'd bet, I'd bet the over. I, I'm just... I'm trying to think when was when was Porter dropped? Porter was dropped in the 11th round by Spence. Now I think Crawford hits every bit as hard as Spence does, and he actually can hit you with shots you don't see coming. So like Torine's uh pick of TKO eight, like that wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me. But I still, if if I was a betting man, which I am not, I would bet the over. Justin says, my bookie's garbage site doesn't even have Bud Porter available to bet on yet. What? That's crazy, man. That is crazy. G Funky says, Crawford, UD, 9-3. Yeah, that's like the most likely. That, that's like the safe bet. You know what I'm saying? Like 117-111, 118-110, something like that. But. Ah, Mitch did the math. 6,000 kilometers is 3,728 miles. Damn, I was way off. I knew it was at least 2,000, two you know, two or 3,000. I didn't know it was that much. OJ, it was at the Silverdome. Yeah, man, it was at the old Silverdome before the roof caved in. <laughs> that, that's so Detroit. You know, the, the, the Pontiac Silverdome chills vacant for years. And then I think there was like a big snowstorm. I can't remember exactly what did it. But the infrastructure of it was so bad or whatever, the roof just caved in. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's that's so Detroit, man. I love it. Keith in the chat, he says, uh, Porter is going to make it tough in the beginning and the onus is on Crawford to adapt and take over. I concur, sir. He says, uh, if he stops Porter, Spence will have to fight Crawford or move up. Yeah, you're right, though, about this. The onus here is on Bud Crawford. Everybody's been waiting for this kind of matchup for him. Um, and all the people that have been talking up the PBC welterweights for all these years, you know, there's been a lot of people saying this welterweight division is the most loaded division in boxing. You know, the PBC welterweights are the best, you know, all this, all this, that, the other Crawford needs to fight one of them. Well, you got your wish. So if you do see a dominant win by Crawford, I don't want to hear, ah, oh, Porter wasn't much anyway. Porter already lost. You know, he's Errol Spence's leftovers, uh, Keith Thurman's leftovers. Um, you know, I don't want to hear that kind of shit. He was past his best. He was because you don't need to be consistent on this. Okay. If Crawford goes in there and puts on a show and decisively wins, give the man his credit. Please give the man his credit. By the way, if Crawford does move over to PBC, it will be interesting to see how certain narratives change among certain fight fans, and media outlets. And I use air quotes when I say media. OJ says, I was going to go, but not at the Silverdome. Should have been at the Palace. Yeah, I think it would have been better at the Palace. But even the Palace is way out in Auburn Hills, man. They should have did that at the Joe. I thought, you know, put that downtown. That is, what's crazy now, man, is none of those places exist, or at least not like they once were. I mean, Old Tiger Stadium, just everything. And now downtown, it's Little Caesars Arena. And I can't get used to saying Little Caesars Arena. Just growing up, we had Tiger Stadium, 
Joe Louis Arena, like these historic names, right? The Palace, the Silverdome, and now it's Little Caesars Arena. It's just like so ridiculous what we've gotten with all this naming. By the way, in Staples, uh, downtown LA, the old Staples Center is now what? Crypto something.com. What the hell is that? What the hell, man? I just, these names, man. All right, looks like we got one call from Keith. We'll take one call, and then we'll probably bounce out of here, guys. Let's see what Keith's got to say. <clears throat> Keith, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, Mike, what's going on? Good, man. Happy Friday. You too. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, kind of like I mentioned earlier in the chat, I think that um, Crawford's going to Crawford's gonna make it really, really tough for, for, for Crawford, and this is going to be the test. Let me test the chief. Crawford is that guy, per se, which I think he is. And um, he's gonna dominate the last half of the fight, if not um, stop him. I like this. I like I like Porter. He's a nice guy, but I like to see Crawford stop him just to make a statement. And yeah, um, I guess after the fight, he'll. I don't know what he's gonna do. It'd be stupid if he stays back stays the top rank. I, I like to see him ideally like, sign with uh, Hearn or obviously or PBC. Hearn would be nice just because he get a lot more exposure, but he might encounter the same BS too as well too though so i don't know because it seems like these pbc guys do not want to fight anyone to be honest with you i hear you man yeah i don't like again if he signs with pbc he's got to be real careful and say like in the contract i'm fighting this dude and that dude and that dude like it needs to be stipulated in the contract yeah yeah exactly um yeah, and hopefully he gets the Spence fight. We'll see. I mean, I don't know what Spence is going to do what, when he's coming back. Have you heard anything about that? No. No, nothing that I'm, I'm going to put on the record. Okay. I mean, I, I have friends at top rank and stuff, um, but I'm not going to put anything out there with, with that. So um, I, I honestly do not know. Okay. And then one more question I want to ask, too. I uh, came on the show late, but I don't know. Did you did you go over anything about the potential Canelo fight moving up? Yeah, I actually did a video on my channel about that the other day. Um, he's probably going to fight Macabu in May, and it's going to be yeah. at 190. Yeah. So the WBC has moved cruiserweight back down to 190. So, like, I can't remember when they changed it, but that's, like, going back 20 years, bro. So what I want to know is what happens if somebody wants to unify. If you have the IBF cruiserweight belt and you want to unify with the WBC, what weight is it at? 190 or 200? Like, this is crazy. This is just crazy. <clears throat> it, it is crazy and that kind of brings up a, like the whole weight conundrum. so basically canelo probably walked down at what at least 180 pounds right 185 pounds, 180 185 pounds at super middleweight at this point he's pretty big yeah i'm gonna assume yeah he, this so, isn't I mean, he's not gonna move up that much in weight for this fight he's really not yeah so i was having a conversation with someone on facebook about, about road joint road jones 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 jr and when he jumped up, quote unquote, twenty pounds to fight John Ruiz, he's a light heavyweight, and light heavyweights walk around at one hundred eighty-five to one hundred ninety pounds. Rojon Jr. fought, weighed in one hundred ninety-three pounds. Then he lost all this weight, but he came back down. My question is, if he, you know, he's probably walking around at least one hundred eighty-five pounds, mm-hmm. close to one ninety. How much weight did he actually put on for that fight? I think it's not going to be necessarily about the weight he puts on. I think it's going to be, he's going to do things differently in camp and he's not going to melt as much mm-hmm. off. So he is going to put on a little bit of muscle, but I don't okay. think he's going to put on that much. Honestly, it's just going to be a different process in camp okay. scientifically. Yeah. Yeah. 
would you consider this a, a cherry pick or would you consider this more of like a just more of a strategic matchmaking? I'm not going to call the cherry pick, but he's picking the 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 worst title holder right now at Cruiserweight. It's just like he did with Kovalev. When he fought yeah. Kovalev, Kovalev was the weakest title holder. He barely held on to his title against a prospect, Anthony Yard, who traveled all the way to Russia for that fight. And that was eight weeks before he fought Canelo. So um that's it's just it's a it's an opportunistic title grab. Uh, that's just the way I'd word it. Yeah, I, I th- actually think this uh, this title grab is a little bit more legitimate than when he fought Kovalev because Kovalev, yeah, he most people don't realize that he was only he only had an eight week turnaround. Mm-hmm. I remember actually because I was at a I was at a wedding and I was watching the fight. Ironically, I was on the East Coast. Joe Smith was there too, and then I saw the results, and then I saw oh, Canelo's fighting him. It's like eight, eight, seven, or eight weeks there, and then he was knocked out twice before that. And I think after the second war fight, he was not the same. And then yep. he got he gets knocked out again by uh, the, uh, the storm. I think it was guys last time with Alvarez as well too. Where he comes back and wins, but mm-hmm. it's not the same. So I feel like this fight is a little bit more legitimate. Maku has some serious power as well, but I think there's such a big gap in skill set, or there's yeah. a large gap in skill set um, that Canelo should convincingly win, and then he's a five division champion. But the good thing is, it seems like it's gonna it might push people. Fighters at 168, 175, and 160 to all maybe fight each other to make themselves more compelling. The fight compels. Now, when he returns back after whatever happens, I, I honestly that that's kind of that's the hope, but it's really only six months. It's six months from now. These guys fight once or twice a year. So, do I think that suddenly, magically, next April, May, or June, we're going to see Charlo and Benavidez fight? Or Andre and Charlo fight? No, I, I don't. I don't think anything's going to change. I think these guys are going to continue to sit around and wait for the Canelo lottery. It's not going to change anything. Yeah, well, apparently Charlo's rich now, so he doesn't need to fight it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mike, appreciate it, and uh, really appreciate the show. And I went listening to other podcasts. I uh, just really appreciate your 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 objectivity. Uh, you're always right on point and everything as well, too. So thank you again. Thanks a lot, brother. Have a good weekend, man. You too. All right. Cheers. Bye. All right, guys. I think that's going to do it. Um, <laughs> OJ in the chat says, Tiger Stadium was good time, smoking tree in the bleacher seats. Dude, the best thing about Tiger Stadium is when I was a kid, we would go and tickets were cheap as hell because the tiger sucked, right? I'm talking late 80s, early 90s, okay? Because they won the World Series in 84. But late 80s, early 90s, I don't know if you remember Cecil Fielder. That was the team. Cecil Fielder was the team, right? And so everybody went to see Cecil Fielder. There was a couple years there where he was like one of the top home run guys. But you could get tickets at the upper deck cheap as fuck. I'm talking like just a few dollars. I, it must have been five, ten dollars, something like that. So we go, and like my dad would take me, my uncle, whatever. We go there. We go to like uh, Greek Town, get get a Coney's, whatever, and then we go to the game. But by the fifth, sixth inning, all the ushers and shit, they were all high and drunk. They weren't checking. We would just go to, all the way down, and as kids, we would be down like behind the catcher. No one would say shit, and nobody was in the stadium anyway. It was half empty. So we just go down there. We have kick-ass, kick-ass seats because there was nobody down there. 
And as long as we didn't like mouth off and get too rowdy or whatever, nobody would say shit. Nobody would be like, oh, you can't be here. But just went down there and hung out. So um, that was some of my funner memories of Tiger Stadium because they were so shitty. No one was at the games. You buy the cheapest damn seat in the house and just walk down to, to the floor level. We did that all the time, man. And back then, like, you could just do that. It was never an issue. All right. Uh, women of the night in the chat. What's up, women of the night? He says, Mike, any thoughts on the weigh-in, Bud and Porter? Nah, business as usual. These guys are absolute professionals. They've been there, done that. They both look in great shape. I expect them to put on a good show tomorrow. I truly, truly do. And I'm a fan of both of these fighters, particularly Sean Porter as a human being. I really think Sean is an awesome guy. And uh, I've always been a fan of Terrence Crawford as a fighter. I really do think he's one of the best in the world. Mitch Pryor says Cleveland was the same. Hell yeah, man. I, I, Cleveland, man. Uh, what is it? Mayfield Ave? I think Mayfield. Is that the little Italy there? Mayfield Ave? And then um, the Flats? And then what was the other area where there were some clubs and bars and shit? That, um, oh, by the river or something. I can't, I, I can't remember what it was called, but it, it was a fun area, man. We used to get, have fun getting trashed there. Good times. Good times. All right, guys. On that note, I'm going to get ready to go to these fights here in Atlanta. We got fights here tonight and tomorrow night. So I'm going to go support uh, boxers in my community, including my coach, Christian Steele. Can't wait to see him fight. Uh, that's going to be fun at Buckhead Fight Club. Enjoy the, enjoy the fights, guys. Uh, <clears throat> enjoy your weekend. We'll see you at TNC Monday. All right. Um, have a great weekend, guys. Love you. Peace.